Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. Let's go! Do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. This show originating from the rock and roll hall of fame city, bomb city, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to know how to get in contact with the show or how to follow us around, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ Central Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ Central And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. It is the first Tuesday of a brand new month. We are now officially in quarter number two of 2023. And that, of course, brings a visit from the creator of How to Barbecue Right, the pitmaster of Killer Hogs competition team, Malcolm Reed, will be joining us in his usual first segment of the first Tuesday of every month. Then we will move to 35 past the hour where we will find a visit from longtime sponsor of the show, one of the premier offset and pellet cooker manufacturers in the biz, Ryan Zaboro from Pits and Spits. And we'll talk to Ryan tonight about how business is treating him here in the first part of 2023, what it ended up like in 2022, and then, more importantly, how he sees... The rest of this year going from a trend standpoint from somebody that actually makes barbecues and pellet cookers, offsets and pellet cookers, I should say. And then we'll also talk about anything new that they might be looking to offer to the market here before 2023 closes out. So Ryan Zabril joining us here. I'm sorry, <laughs> Ryan Zaboral joining us. 35 past the hour. Then we'll move to the second hour because it is the first Tuesday of a month in the second hour. We'll be joined by none other than YouTube maven Sam the Cooking Guy. Also Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer, much like Malcolm is as well. So looking forward to catching up with Sam. A lot of people said last month was the best segment we've ever had on the show, at least in recent memory, as we look back. Sam's been coming on the show maybe 10 years plus at this point. Malcolm in that same driver's seat as well. So a lot of the guests here this evening have a tenured, a storied tenured 
past with the Barbecue Central show in only the best ways possible. So we'll see if Sam and I can't top what was, in many respects, the best segment we have done to date. However, as you look back, I'm sure you could easily pick out a dozen or two dozen of your most favorite Say in the cooking guy, barbecue central show segments, but that's just the way it is. What have you done for me lately is a refrain in sports and life and especially here in entertainment. And we'll keep it rolling here on the show this evening. So 14 past Malcolm Reed in the first hour and then Brian Zaboral in the second uh, interview segment, 35 past in the first hour. Then we'll move to the second hour saying the cooking guy, 14 past. And we will take your phone call, phone calls. We'll take your emails and social media blasts as you see fit to send them in. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat. We say good evening to all of you watching through one of the video streaming platforms where you can find the show on Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch on YouTube slash RD Rempe. We are also available audibly if you would rather hear us and not see us on Clubhouse. And we have a new tube, a new tube, a new YouTube poll question of the week. What combo cooker would you like to see come to market? Gas grill slash pizza oven, pellet cooker slash pizza oven, charcoal cooker slash air fryer, or flat top slash pizza oven. And currently, 57% of you are saying pellet cooker and pizza oven. That's the next combo cooker you would like to see hitting the market. Next to that, flat top and pizza oven at 29%. And charcoal cooker and air fryer coming up at 14%. Nobody wants to see a gas grill and a pizza oven. Some of you might actually think that's almost one and the same. At this stage of the game, considering what's currently being offered in the market, but we'll continue to check the poll question of the week throughout the rest of the show. And as I say each and every week, but I rarely do it, I will try to lead that question off with the guests here so we can get their uh, opinion as well. So we'll hope to remember with Malcolm in just a few short moments, but geez, a few short moments might as well be a few short hours with me, but I'll do my best to try and ask him here this evening. All right, so let's start here tonight. You would think... Well, the number of monthly guests that I have in a recurring aspect here on this show, that at some point, a concept or a bit would lose its luster, lose a little steam, fall out of favor with the audience. But each month, I am proven wrong time and time again. Case in point, this past Tuesday's Embedded Correspondence segment, and I would like to point out, these are not scripted segments. We don't know what each other's going to say. Yes, we do have an outline of topics and we have a loose agenda on what we would like to cover just so everybody can prepare. But these are not questions that we have written out in advance. What you're hearing is spontaneous. What you're hearing is honesty. And again, not scripted, not contrived, nothing like that. And you heard all of that on full display last week in the embedded correspondence segment. So if you missed it, make sure you go back and listen to the second hour of the show. Actually, if you missed the whole show from last week, go back and get the podcast hour number one, which was Dustin Green from Weber. And then my second hour guest, you know, 
That person that I'm not going to remember. Uh-oh. <laughs> was the second guest. And the first hour was Dustin Green. And I'm drawing a total blank, which is a shame on me. Oh, dear. Somebody will help me out here, though, in the instant chat. We'll get back and give them their proper due. I'm sure it's somebody widely famous that I'm just uh, totally forgetting, which I am totally ashamed of. However, the second hour, right? Embedded correspondence in both segments. So make sure that you check that in because that was one of the greatest... See, now we're saying this again with Sam from last month. It always seems like the most recent segment is the best segment. But I thought the embedded correspondence segment from last week was incredibly on fire. I don't even know if that's a real saying. It was on fire. It's so much so it was incredibly on fire. John Solberg was especially on fire this past week. So make sure you go back and listen to the show. And hear what all the ballyhoo has been over the last week with people weighing in on the embedded correspondence segment. In fact, we'll get some fan feedback from past shows. Timmy in Michigan. I always love when somebody writes in and uses their first name as Timmy. Timmer. Greg, listening to the show from Tuesday night, did John say that Mo Kaysan was a boat anchor to Bob Trudnax and his restaurant project? Uh I nearly spit out my drink. This is the reason I love the show. Honestly, podcast listener only regards Timmy. Jamie in Utah writing in, Greg, count me in as a new fan of Dustin Green from Weber. I thought his segment was well done. He did seem a little uncomfortable when you asked him about the Weber business stuff, like going public and then going back private. But otherwise, I thought the segment was great. And I am now interested in looking at a Weber griddle after listening to him on the show. Love the show. Regards, Jamie. Jamie, thank you for writing in. By the way, I just remembered, I knew if I would think about it long enough as I was talking about something unrelated, I would remember who 35 past the hour last week was. How do I forget this? He's a Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer, too. Remember some guy named Derek Riches? Derek, humble apologies. I can't believe I missed that. How dare you? I don't know. Kenny in Kentucky writing in a couple weeks late. Greg, Jeremy Umansky is the Koji man. I am inspired to try this Koji stuff immediately. Thank you for getting Jeremy on the show, and thank you for what will be my new deep dive topic for the next few months, at least. Love the show. Podcast listener only. Regards, Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you for writing in. Glad you liked Jeremy Umansky. I'm sorry. Regards, Kenny writing about Jeremy. Glad you like Jeremy. He is a Koji expert, a foraging expert, too. We're coming into mushroom season here in Ohio. I think if I remember correctly, Jeremy said Ohio has the second most varietals. I don't know if that's correct term or not. The second only to like the Pacific Northwest, if you can believe it. So Ohio is a fungus among us type state. Before we get to Malcolm Reed, let me mention the aforementioned Pits and Spits. The best-looking, best-cooking smokers and grills currently available on the market. Pits and Spits offers a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers with pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination pits, fire pits, and much, much more. Pits and Spits has been one of the only American fabrication shops that's focused on smokers and cookers for almost 40 years. 
Why is that important? They're able to put an emphasis on quality and design. Locally sourced materials, unmatched attention to detail, from the fully welded barrels to the heavy-gauge steel. They bring both function and beauty to life. Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention, the express intention, that's going to get passed down from generation to generation, whether you're into the backyard barbecue and grilling scene or you are on the competition trail. You're going to want to step that game up. No easier way to do that than by going to the Pits and Spits website and ordering you up one ASAFP. Check them out at this special link, pitsandspits.com slash Central, all spelled out, P-I-T-T-S-A-N-D-S-P-I-T-T-S, pitsandspits.com slash Central, and use promo code to check out Central for a free spice pack when you order $500 or more. So if you're ordering a cooker, you're easily going to eclipse that. Make sure you put in the code. Or if you're just ordering a bunch of accessories because you have a current Pit and Spits cooker at the house, just looking to gear up a little bit more, get to that $500 mark or more, enter promo code BBQ Central and get that free spice pack. We all love the free stuff. That's all you got to do. We are back with our pal Malcolm Reed right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit cookinpellets.com, that's C-O-O-K-I-N, for more information or to purchase. You can also check out their website and see what other delicious things they have available for sale. CB and the gang over at cookinpellets.com. My first guest tonight needs no introduction. The co-creator of How to Barbecue Right, yes, the pitmaster of Killer Hogs Competition Team, of course. And the first Tuesday of the month regular guest right out of the gate we welcome back our pal malcolm reed all right i don't want to forget malcolm because i've made a terrible mistake over the last three weeks of doing the new youtube poll question of the week and not asking the guest although i think maybe the last time i did it was the last time you were on so let me not forget and just go ahead and ask you right away what style of combo cooker would you like to see come to market gas grill and pizza oven or pellet cooker and pizza oven or charcoal cooker and air fryer or lastly flat top cooker and pizza oven uh man i think i'm gonna have to go with that charcoal air fryer yeah i'm just not a big i'm not a big pizza oven guy i mean i can see using it every once in a while but that's just um I've, i've been on a little air fryer kick indoors and i love a charcoal grill so that would might you, be interesting. Would you use an air fryer outside? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I would probably use it more than I would a pizza oven. Mm. So right now, <laughs> 60% of people are saying they would like to see the pellet cooker slash pizza oven. 
Second place, flat top and pizza oven, and then the charcoal cooker air fryer coming in at 10% of the vote. Nobody wants a gas grill or a pizza oven whatsoever, so probably should have thrown that out. Somebody in the instant chat said, what about the option for I don't care about any type of new combo cooker coming to market? They had no interest in getting into that. Do you think we'll see a continued introduction of combo cookers here over the next couple years? I know it hasn't. The only one I used to remember was the combo cooker of gas grill and charcoal grill all married up to one, but now they're seeming to come out with a, a bunch of different options. Well, I, you know, I think with people doing more outdoor ki- uh, kitchens kind of style because we're a different kind of cooking going on outside, the combo unit makes sense. Um, I'm, you know, what, what about this, Greg? What about a charcoal slash deep fryer? Because you know, in the South, we deep fry everything. Yes, that's so right. I could see, I could see something like that working. That's right. I think that's probably an idea. We should probably just STFU and take that idea right to market, and that way we can go ahead yeah. <laughs> and make the millions on it. Um, now, Malcolm, uh, April Fools was on Saturday or April first, better known as April Fools, and Malcolm pulls off one of the all-time April Fool jokes of. April Fools. It looked a little something like this. I don't have the sound up. I apologize, but if I flip it now, it'll completely mess with my uh, DAW system. But he's got Impossible Burgers. There's some vegan mayonnaise going on the top of a bun. Uh, Some spicy arugula, tomatoes. Uh, Some of my favorite toppings, by the way, on any burger. But this looks like a pretty good Impossible Burger. And we're going to see how Malcolm serves this here in just one second, and which is why it's April Fools getting ready to take a bite. Ah, nope, there's the trash can. Uh-oh. <laughs> Look at this guy. Was that on the agenda or the uh, the idea for the latest April Fool's thing for a while, or was that off the cuff? I've, I've got to be honest, Craig, that was like a repost. I did that like a year or so ago. <laughs> really? And I was I was, a, I was at Hawks for the Calls this past weekend down in New uh, Orleans. Yes. So I didn't get a time to do anything. So Tyler pulled that out and then recirculated it and it hit again. I mean, everybody loves it. So, but have you, uh, have you had, I tried that. Have you had Impossible Burger? I'm not a fan of it. No. I've had like, so a black bean burger, I can do a black bean burger. You give me a portobello burger, something like that. Mm. The texture on that impossible meat, man, I'm just not crazy about it. It was just weird. Is it plant-based meat in general because there is the Beyond Burger as well, or have you only messed around with impossible? That was the only one I've really tried. I bought that at my local grocery store, so I can't, you know, I haven't really gave it a fair shake. Um, if I'm, I'm just not going to go out, man. I'm a beef guy. Yeah. I mean, if you don't care to give it a fair shake, then I would certainly suggest against it. But some folks are, hey, I want to eat something that perhaps resembles meat in a certain kind of way, uh, or they want to be meatless on Monday, but they'll go ahead and eat the Impossible Burger to get around that. My continued preach to those people is do it because you don't want to eat meat. Don't do it because you don't want to eat meat and be healthy because it's not one and the same that are linking together. This is the epitome of over super highly processed food. It's probably worse for you than eating meat on a consistent basis. But if you're somebody that just wants to you eat meat seven days a week normally and you just want to get one day of meat out, I say, why bother at that point? I mean, six might as well be seven. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's not a terrible option, but it's not healthier. 
Well, I'm not going to meet shame anybody. That's just, you know, it's your own deal if you want to do it. But I'm with you, man. It can't be. It's all process. So how how can that be better for you? Definitely not better. All right, here's the next question. Malcolm, did you listen to my best moments show over the past few weeks, hearing the first ever show ever, ever that I did back in 2006? No, I missed it. Oh. Go ahead and tell me about it. <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say no to hear how you've you know, kind of grown into the show. And as you've mentioned before, I mean, you're a longtime listener, so you've heard the evolution yeah. and the sound changes and stuff. But, I mean, this was you know, well before you really probably got on board. It was, uh, I call them the Dirty Dozen. There were like the first 12 shows I ever did. They never made it anywhere. They were, well, that's not true. They, originally, they lived on the Barbecue Central Forum, and it was a podcast that was really geared towards the forum. I interviewed some of the forum members. We talked about uh, their backgrounds and how they got into it. And then I decided to step out after I started feeling myself a little bit, started asking for interviews with rub companies, and eventually graduated into my first ever with Stephen Reichland. Doesn't matter. The first 12, wow. I mean, a disaster's disaster if you're asking me, especially if you listen to what it sounded like in 2006 to you know what it sounded like over the last handful of years, which is something I'm trying to, to raise the bar on just as a podcasting uh, a mantra and or goal for the whole broadcast community. It's, it's something to go back and take. You know, uh, John split it up into two. 10 segment or uh, 10 minute segments there on the best of. So it was last week or this past Friday was part two. And then, uh, part one was two weeks before that. So, uh, I would be interested if you could carve out 10 minutes, skip through all the talking, just get to me, of course. And let me know what you think of the original, original and how you've, you know, seen it progress over time. That's the homework assignment. Uh, that you can yeah, maybe find. I got, I got you. Yeah, I, I, can, I can handle that mission. Right, so you mentioned a couple minutes ago this past weekend you were at Hogs for the Cause. So tell me about the event and what it's aiming to do. So Hogs for the it's it's really a unique barbecue contest because it's kind of chef centric. Um, the whole the whole uh, premise of that contest is they're raising money for kids with pediatric brain cancer. So it's a fundraiser type contest, but you know, barbecue people, they're, they're all about a cause and they're all, you know, willing to help out. So it started out as um, a way to bring people into a festival like setting. Uh, You have a barbecue contest, but you're also kind of vending food. So you're raising money the whole time um, for this pediatric brain cancer, which is a great cause. And it has grown. I think, I think they're 15, 16 years doing it. And this year they had like 86 teams. I mean, they've about maxed out the capacity of it, but it's uh it's kind of loosely an MBN contest because they have whole hog, shoulder, ribs. They have a chef's like potpourri uh, category where that's where a lot of these teams get us, you know, um, have chefs that come in or restaurants that are affiliated in some kind of ways, and they do a real fancy category. I mean, some of those some of those entries you see all kinds of stuff in it. Uh, but the you know they also have a day of like ancillaries, and that's what I was down there for with mm-hmm. the blue plate people. They had a blue plate category and they, they had wings and stuff like that. But man, it's the New Orleans is a food town. If you've never been, man, it's, you know, it's jazz music, food. And so you see, it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't feel like a regular barbecue contest when you're there because there's so many, so much great stuff to try. Some, you know, it's, it's just a fun time. 86 teams. I mean, that's a pretty big event, uh, especially in New Orleans, which 
I wouldn't say is necessarily known as a barbecue hotbed, but I think my oldest daughter uh, has a teammate whose dad is on a team that uh, he was talking about hogs for the cause, mentioned New Orleans, and he might have mentioned how uh, have you, you've been there before, right? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, I've competed in it several years ago. It's probably been 10 years. So he talked all about how it's a fundraiser, you know, for the pediatric uh, brain cancer and, you know, how, how great of a mission it is, but how much of a great time it is. So as you are doing all the barbecue stuff, yeah, great. But New Orleans is a superior food town, well-known food town. What are you getting into outside of the barbecue arena there? Well, so me and Chell, we kind of hit the town a little bit a few nights. She picked out some reservations. It's it kind of coincided with her birthday. So we kind of did a little celebrating too. So we went seafood one night and we went to a restaurant called Revolution that was just phenomenal. I mean, they had, they had char grilled oysters that we got a bone marrow and drizzled with them. You know, I got a lobster tail and, you know, she got like crab cakes and stuff. It's just delicious food. And then we did steak one night. And of course you had to go get a muffaletta and a po' boy somewhere, you know? So we, we kind of, we did a little, you know, our own little foodie tour. Any beignets? Uh, I did have a beignet. Yeah, they're a little. It's a little much powdered sugar for me. You know, they 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 coat those things in them, and it's kind of you know it gets everywhere. So, chicory coffee. Uh, I, I does an espresso martini count? I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, no the the uh, uh, what is that the name of it? It's a chicory coffee. So there's a brand that you they, can get at the grocery store called the Cafe Du Mont. And uh, sure. it's got chicory in the coffee, which I guess is a like a Louisiana thing. Rarely do you find it anywhere else. Um, I've had it a number of times. Never had it there, so I don't know if it's like different where it was originated versus how I'm making it, which might be wrong, but it seems pretty foolproof. That's one of those love-hate things. I think there is just enough of whatever that chicory taste is bringing to the coffee flavor. I don't mind it, but it can, you know, maybe one glass... Um, just after dinner or first thing in the morning, but not three glasses or a pot of it. Like I could drink normal coffee. Have you ever gotten into that? I, I have. I'm not a huge fan of it. No, yeah. It's kind of like you. It's an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I'm down there, I'll drink community coffee, but I don't get the I don't get the uh, uh chicory version of it. I think they have one too, but it's you know that's that's a little it's a little bitter for me. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show. How to bbqwrite.com is the website. And you can make sure you are subscribing to him over on YouTube as well over 1.5 million of them you are. So this coming Sunday, Malcolm, is the Easter holiday. And that is usually on a menu you're going to find an Easter ham, maybe lamb. Is that a is that a thing that's going on with, with Easter as well? Because I've been seeing it out in the grocery store when I wouldn't usually see it. Uh, at this time, so prominently displayed. But what are you guys uh, having for a menu? You know, typically, I mean, we, I grew up, we always had ham, maybe mm. pork loin, like a bone-in pork loin or something. But, you know, we really weren't a lamb family. But I do see a lot of lamb. Uh, people people request lamb recipes for Easter. You know, most of the time, it's like a, a, a whole roasted leg or something like yeah. that, something yeah. you can centerpiece to serve a lot of people. Um, it's, it's early, lamb is one of those acquired tastes too, man. Are you not a lamb? It's guy? not my favorite. I, I've I've had some lamb that's really good, but I've had some lamb that's really bad. So it's like one of those things. It's uh, it's just not. 
I've, I, and I've cooked some lamb recipes and Shell says they're fantastic because she grew up eating lamb, but mm. I'm just not, I don't, I don't know if it's something about it. It has a different little flavor. That's it's not, it's not my favorite. I can eat it, but it's not my favorite. So when you're eating it and it's not your favorite, are they cooked to the higher internals? Is it more medium and up? No, I like it. I do. When I eat it, I want it medium rare. But I mean, oh. now see, I've had some really great lamb chops melt yes. in your mouth, medium yeah. rare. You know, a little sauce drizzled over them that they make, like a gastrique or something, or demi-glace or something. And that's been some really good lamb. And then I've had some, like you go to a Brazilian restaurant where they're cutting lamb off a spigot for you. And I was like, man, this is wangy. Yeah. I'm not sure it's lamb. It tastes more like mutton. You know, (laughs) it tastes older. I don't know what that is, Mm. but it's just not my thing. And then I can do gyros. I can do, you know, uh, you give me, uh, you know, a beef and lamb gyro. That's fine. Tastes really good. So I guess it's just more of the bigger cuts. I'm just not crazy about. I've never had the legs. Uh, I always feel like those are going to be taken up higher. I've had, uh, so the first time I ever had rack of lamb, as I've said on the show a number of times, was uh, only you know, a handful of years ago when I was staying over at Amber and uh, Noah Glanville's house, uh, owners of Pit Barrel Cooker, when they lived just outside of Louisville, we'd go down there for volleyball and they'd put us up there for a couple nights. And their kids had requested, now this is going back a couple of years, so I don't, I don't even know if they were, you know, 10 years old and, and maybe uh, the other one, the younger uh, Max was younger than that. Um, and they were requesting rack of lamb. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with these kids? They were they rack of lamb and uh, Noah's like, you ever had it? And I said, no. He said, well, we're going to go grab them from, we got them at uh, Costco or whatever. Uh, pretty pricey for like a two pound rack, but I guess that's just par for the course. And he said, we're going to, you know, cook them whole rack and uh, we'll do it on the pit barrel, obviously. And it's going to change your life. And I said, oh, well, I'll be the judge of that. And he cooked them up. Nice, medium, rare, as you said, split it down into chops, gave one to me. And he said, here, put it in your mouth and. You tell me if I'm lying. And it was life changing. It was seasoned to perfection. There was a nice amount of fat in there. The lamb tasted good. It wasn't. Now, when I got home, I got really into rack of lamb. There was a couple times I went over, like into like high 130s, cresting into 140. Different flavor. Still looked good. Was edible, like you're talking about, but. I could have also maybe tossed it, not really thought twice about it, and go, next time I'll make sure I'm watching my temps. But it does seem to be in that medium rare, at least for the chops. It, you know, If it lives there, then it is a superior piece. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you there. And my favorite is like go to Costco, get the packs of those little porterhouse lamb chops. Yes. Where it's just a little, there's a little bite on the little bitty lamb T-bone. You know, you get a little bit of the loin, little bit of the strip and you and they're thick enough to where it's you know it's really easy to get them medium rare they don't require a whole lot of cooking it's just a couple minutes on each side but you can nail them just about every time and you get two or three of those man you got a meal yeah they're delicious uh quick update on the how to barbecue right smokehouse oh it's coming along man (laughs) there it's to the phase it's to the phase to where I'm not great at the input because they're wanting to know colors. Like, what, what stain do you want on this wall? Or, you know, what do you want to paint these posts? And I'm like, man, I don't care. It's, you know, I'm, <laughs> can you give me some? Can you give me something to pick from? Yeah, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not the guy to go pick out tiles and all that stuff. But uh, we're, we're, uh, we've got the lighting done. They're, they're finishing up brick underneath it. The inside's pretty much getting done, ready for paint. So 
um, it's 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 coming down the final stretch. And are you moving where you're at currently and taking that into the smokehouse? Is there going to be like production studio in there? Yeah. So that's that's the whole goal. Like I kind of split. If you could think of a building, it's kind of a. I don't remember how many feet long it is. I think it's like I think it's like eighty feet long because part of it I wanted to be outdoor, like screened in outdoor. So I can have my smokers out there. I've got a little ventilation in in the top to pull out smoke, but it's also screened so it'll let airflow too. And then inside, right in the middle, is going to be where I'm going to do most of my filming. I can control the temperature. Mm. Um, you know, it's I'm going to have a nice bar built there, and behind that, it's going to kind of be this brick wall look. So it'll still it'll look like you're kind of outside with the brick, but you will be. But I will be indoor, mm. and it's going to have I'm going to have a range back there, just a typical counter. But I've also got me like a room over to the side. Like if, if Shell puts me out of the house, I can stay in there. It's like, or if we have, if I have a guest come to film with me, they've got, you know, they've got kind of a suite there. It's got a, you know, it's going to have a, a nice size bedroom with the bathroom, all that onto it and a little bit of storage for us for all of our cooking stuff. And so it's real simple and it's going to have that kind of country farmhouse smokehouse feel to it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going for. But really, it's just a controlled, for me to be able to have a controlled filming environment. Well, we're anxiously keeping tabs, so we'll get an update next month. And uh, I we ran out of time this month, but we'll also talk more about, for the folks that are into building an outdoor barbecue island or barbecue kitchen, I know we touched on it last month as we were exiting the interview, but I'd like to delve a little bit more in depth on that. So I'll send the outline, and we can kind of go back and forth a little bit on it so we can arm some people with info as they get ready to perhaps build one here in 2023. It's Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right. You can find him over at howtobbqright.com, how to BBQ Right on all social media. Malcolm, always appreciate the time, and we will see you again in May. Hey, great seeing you, Greg. We'll see you next month. All right, there he is, Malcolm Reed right there. If I had the space in the backyard, I too would look to build a smokehouse but right now it's just the shed and there's no smokehouse going in the shed thank goodness cigars aren't addictive because I would probably would have used the shed to freeze and smoke cigars but since I am a man of dignity and non addictiveness (laughs) because it's cigars I can wait till it gets nicer and we can enjoy this. That's what it's all about. All right. Ryan from Pits and Spits is getting ready to pop in here. Before we get to him, I will talk to you about Big Pop Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at BigPapaSmokers.com. Pitmaster approved. By Sterling Big Papa Ball himself, known for the championship rubs and seasonings, flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in backyards. Big Papa's offering 13 perfectly balanced flavors that transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Also the owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce, you're a little disenchanted with what's currently available on the market or you want something new, Great all by itself, or use it as a base sauce and then trick it out from there. However you see fit, give it a shot. And aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they're offering some of the best cookers out there as well. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. 
Big Papa Smoker is the exclusive back dealer, even offering special packages. If you don't know which one you should get or you have questions about one, call them 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727 or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We are back with Pits and Spits right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Malcolm Reed for joining us last segment. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with most of them. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call them at 816-945-2232. My next guest was on this show last October. At that time, we were talking about their hybrid cooker that had been out on the market for a little while. And tonight, we will follow up on that product along with seeing what else they might be bringing to market here in 2023 as the barbecue and grilling season gears up over the next few weeks. We raced the hotline. And welcome back, our pal, Ryan Borrell. Hey, Ryan. Hey, man. How are you? YouTube question poll of the week time. I'm two for two right now. Thank goodness. What style of combo cook? Now, I have to ask you to play consumer at this point, not manufacturer. Uh, What style of combo cooker would you like to see hit the market? Gas grill and pizza oven or pellet cooker and pizza oven? Or charcoal cooker and air fryer, or lastly, flat top cooker and pizza oven. I think the uh, charcoal grill and air fryer. Wow, same thing Malcolm Reed said. Look at this. Two of the smartest minds in live fire cooking are agreeing <laughs> right here. Now, fifty-eight percent of folks are saying pellet cooker and pizza oven. Twenty-five percent of folks are saying flat top and pizza oven. And 17% are saying charcoal and air fryer. Still, gas grill and pizza oven taking the large goose egg as far as interest in any of that. So that's how the YouTube poll is flexing here as we start the second interview segment here in the first hour. All right, Ryan, so thanks for coming back on here this evening. I mentioned in the intro last time you were on, we talked extensively about that hybrid cooker, which sees a pellet cooker or a pellet hopper on one side and then an offset box offset cooker on the other side how is that unit doing and uh, is there any other new info or breaking news on that product it's doing really well it's it's really popular i mean i think it's it is kind of scratching that itch that a lot of people have and i I don't know if you tracked our accessory the smoke cage that lets you add some you know wood fire wood chunk smoke to your pellet grill but people still really like that that option of having the uh, the stick burner or the pellet hopper to assist um, either for the whole cook or for the second half of the cook, um, it's been but it's been it's been really well received, and I think people like the large format. You know, we did the it's a four it's a four foot barrel 48, 
48 inch barrel. So it's, uh, not a small cooker. And I think people like that. We're, we're not trying to jam it together. We just said, you know, here, here's how you do it both ways. Will people run both sides at the same time? They will. It's not necessarily designed to do that, but again, we're also, we like to learn on the fly ourselves. So we don't tell people you can't do it. Hmm. We just say that that's not how we tested it. Yeah. It's, I mean, you tested it running one side or the other. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it, it was tested to run as a start as a start as a stick burner and then finish your cook off as a pellet, as a, you know, a pellet grill, pellet smoker, whatever you want to say, automated, automated smoker yeah. uh, for the back half of the cook, um, kind of post four hour uh, of the smoke. How did 2022 end up? I know we were kind of catching you as the last uh, quarter was getting going, but uh, how did it end up for you guys? 22 is challenging. I mean, when you compare to 21 and 20, where a lot I would say was, uh, kind of for our, for our industry was a lot kind of given to us, right? A lot of people were staying at home, you know, you're kind of just by the way that the, the chips fell, we were just getting phone calls for, uh, you know, for, for orders, you know, for dealers, people just needed products. Whereas 22, uh, was a lot more of having to kind of get back to your roots and go out and do demos, mm. call dealers, create education, do kind of true marketing and a lot of boots on the ground, grassroots type stuff. So it, it was, it was tough. Uh, but the second half, we really saw a return to a much more of a return to normal for us, kind of what we would say versus, you know, 2019, um, it was, and we learned a lot and we actually, as a manufacturer versus just kind of a, an importer or a marketing style, uh, reseller, um, it really helped us figure out kind of what direction we wanted to head and, and where we wanted to be, meaning bring even more of our process in house. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these things we were third partying out, whether it be, you know, some, some laser work or coatings or whatever. We now said, well, look, let's just do that in-house because we can control it. We can control inventory levels and we can control timing a lot better. And we also now can you know, ramp up or ramp down in a lot more efficient manner than <laughs> we could we could uh, in 2021. Before the pandemic hit and then the bubble was up before it burst, how many grills were you turning out? Like what would be a good year? It would... Before, um, you know, if we were doing, you know, 12 to 1500, we were, we were thrilled. And, uh, I'd say now that that's kind of what we expect, if yep. that makes sense. It's, you know, that that's really just kind of what we, what we expect of ourselves. And that's how we, we now have quantifiable goals. And we actually have weekly goals and kind of a rolling average that we target to say, um, this is what we need to put out versus, uh, let's just, let's just focus on the top line. Let's just sell. We say, well, no, like let's, let's actually produce to KPIs and actually have, uh, production goals and, and, and grills leaving the door, mm. you know, grills leaving the shop versus just how much can we sell? Um, we need to be great manufacturers as well. Some companies look to get into some form of, of big box retail in order to move volume. Did you ever think about making a product that might be specific to a Lowe's or a Home Depot or getting some kind of a contract with one of those bigger box stores to at least take a, a line of pits and spits? So the 
the the uh, the big big box, right? So mega box. I mean, I we're an academy. I think we've talked about that. And you know, for those that don't know what that is, that's a it's a two hundred plus sports store, right? So it's hunting, yeah, fishing, it's you know, baseball, basketball, kind of whatever you want. Um, and they're they're originally a Houston company, so they're still Houston based. And so we've been really lucky to to be with them for the past couple of years. Um, and you know, their, their approach to it was that we want a premium product. We're not, we're not asking you to cut corners. We're not asking you to cut your price. You know, the here tells what our margin is and we want to sell your product as it is today. So as far as going to one, one of these very big box stores, you know, Lowe's home depots with, you know, thousands of stores, I don't know how we could do that in a cost effective manner, if that makes sense. I mean, it, it, I just, I don't know that that, 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 uh, consumer, you know, the consumer that's purchasing at those stores is looking for a two to $3,000 product. I, I, they might be, but I think that's why you have uh barbecue specialty stores, right? Is <laughs> look at something quick, maybe last year, a season or two, go spend four or 500 bucks at Lowe's home Depot. Uh, but if you want something that you want to research and this is a, an heirloom product or something that you're going to brag to your friends about, you go to, uh, you know, your Texas star grill shops or kind of whomever is your local grill authority. And that's where we hope to be with it, with our current product line. Does Academy inventory stuff or there are cookers on floor that you can buy and take home or do you like, do they have something on they the do. ground and then you have to like order it and it gets shipped to you? Uh, it's both. I mean, you can oh. go in to, you can go to their website and you can see what they have where, and if they don't have it at a local academy, at your local academy, you can order it from their website and they'll have it there in a couple of days. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're constantly running trucks back and forth. So they, they are, uh, just like any other dealer. It's, it's a really cool system. It's not, it's not a, uh, drop ship model. It's not a, you know, kind of a, they're, they're a true stocking dealer. So I know there were a lot of companies that ended up sitting on a lot of inventory, you know, last year, especially as, you know, the year finally made the change, the bubble burst. And uh, there were actually some retailers that destocked um, with some of their partners there. So is that the benefit of being pits and spits? You're able to scale up, scale down as the market dictates? That's what I think. It's we, of course, feel when our, when our dealers or retail partners destock, right? I mean, they, it, it, it one brand kind of can have a ripple effect onto others. So we certainly will feel that on the pull through, mm. but as far as our working capital goes, we're able to ramp up and ramp down pretty flexibly, meaning we don't have six, eight, 10 months of inventory either coming in or on hand. We have parts and pieces that we have to order with several weeks or a couple months uh, of inventory on hand. But the majority of the grill and the majority of the products we're building, um, as we forecast 30, 45, 60 days out, um, or kind of on, on demand, right? I mean, we have certain specialty products that we only build, uh, when ordered. Mm -hmm. Ryan's Borrell joining th us Those here. tend to be the, the go ahead. No, go on. Th those Finish tend up. to be the big, fancy stainless kind of like, restaurant quality type products that, that we build to order. Brian Zborrell joining us here on the show. Pitsandspits.com is the website at Pits and Spits on social media. 
the past few times we've spoken, Ryan, we have talked about the popularity of the pellet cooker that Pit and Spitz makes. Do you see that changing this year, or is that continuing to be a leader? That's continuing to kind of be the lion's share of the business, but our live fire side, whether it be stick burners or charcoal grills, continues to grow, and that it continues to pick up. And I think that's several reasons. I think that a lot of a lot of the market has a lot of the consumers have gained their sea legs with their pellet cookers now, right? They they had they know that they want to do this and they like doing it, and they want to do they want to do it in a more involved way. And so they want stick burners or they love the pellet grill for what it is, but they also really kind of miss that charcoal, that charcoal grilling, you know, activity or that smell or that flavor. And they want one of those as well. <laughs> and either they really like our product and like what we've done, or they want their, their backyard to match. Right. I mean, there's something to be said for, if you've got two or three cookers and they're all, you know, painted carbon with your stainless steel lid or, you know, all fully stainless and it just looks really nice, looks really clean. So. We are we are continuing to see that resurgence in the the live fire cooking side. Are you making any new pellet cookers this year? Uh, we are working on a a, a true built in, so it's going to be mm-hmm. kind of that traditional head style drop in um, pellet grill. Uh, it's going to be focused on you know smoking and the the size or the volume where getting up to high temps in a pellet grill can can be achieved. So this is probably not a a caterer style pellet grill. This is going to be a you know thirty to thirty six inches wide, twenty to twenty four inches deep uh, type pellet grill, and just due to it being a, a built in, it's only going to be a, go, only going to be available in stainless. We're not going to offer any coated options because you don't want to have to deal with that you know ten fifteen years down the road. Um, or if you sell your house, we don't want people calling in trying to get that you know recoded. We want we want it to be the kind of a a legacy type item. If I'm making an outdoor kitchen, I was talking with Malcolm Reed last segment, and next month we're going to be talking in depth about things you need to take into account if you're making this outdoor kitchen or barbecue island or whatever you're going to call it. Can I call Pits and Spits up and say, I want a cooker X wide, X deep, blah, 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 and that's something you can tailor make to my spec and then drop it in? Yes and no. We we can we do have those capabilities, uh, and I will also just say that it kind of depends on where the market is. I mean, if we're really busy, we're probably going to kind of guide you away from that. Um, but a lot of the stuff we do or come up with is because a customer asked about it, and we liked the idea, or we had thought about it and just had never really had the demand for it. And we wanted to try it, um, so it, it, it's kind of a yes no type answer there. But we we certainly have those capabilities, but we, we're hoping to have enough flexibility with our off the shelf uh, built in that we can fit into any you know any any drop in size. Speaking of popular, what's more popular right now than free standing flat top slash gritter cookers these days? Is this something that Pits and Spits also might be getting in on, or is that too far out of the core business? It is something we are kicking around in the concept. You know, in, in the the, uh, I was approached by a friend of mine who wanted one huh. and asked if we could do it. And I told him, "Yeah, we could. It might be expensive." He said, "I don't care. You know, just let me. Would would love to, would love to have one." <laughs> 
years ago, uh, we used to do a lot of gas work. So we made gas grills, you know, in the, in the city of Houston and around the state of Texas, there are a lot of old built-in pits and pits gas grills, which as time went on, you know, the, the, there's so many good gas grill manufacturers out of California kind of in that category. We, we couldn't really compete. Uh, we, we were more focused on the charcoal and stick burner and then the pellet grill, you know, side of the market that, so that we, we quit making those gas grills. But what that means is we know how to do it. We have that knowledge in house. And so we will be working on, uh, some flat tops, whether that's something we bring to market officially or something we just kind of offer as ordered. Um, uh, but we, we think it's a cool, we think it's a great product. I, I love seeing it. I look, it's really fun. It's really engaging. I mean, who doesn't love a, the fact that, you know, hibachi chefs coming to your house is a thing now is so cool. <laughs> and so, you know, you have, you see that and you think, man, like I could have one of those. And then in my mind, I'm like, well, I could have one of those built. Like this would be <laughs> really cool to have. So the, that's a long way of saying, yeah, it, it, it is on our, uh, it's on our horizon. How long would it take to go from concept? Maybe you're already through this portion of it, but how long could something like this take from idea to getting it to either call and ask for it or actually being rolled out as a legitimate product offer? Uh, from, from concept to built really is only a couple weeks, but from concept to a, a product that we would feel comfortable photographing and putting on the website, it's probably kind of a 10 to 12 month deal mm-hmm. because we have to, we also have to think about how we work that into our current production, right? And we don't want to throw any, anything off there. Uh, and we also want to do things safely, right? You know, it, it's, it's gas is a totally different animal than, than um, pellet grills or stick burners, even though we do have gas in all of our stick burners and charcoal grills. Um, so it, 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 it's a longer lead time for us to get to that point. But uh, the way we view it is we're, we would be different in that it's going to be heavier duty physically, right? It's probably gonna be fully welded. I mean, there's, it's not going to be a bolt together type product. Yep. Uh, it, it, it would probably not have all those kind of cool bells and whistles with the temperatures coming on the thermometers, at least not, I'm <laughs> sorry, the temperatures on the knobs really, which are pretty cool, but that's just not core for us, but it'd be a stainless steel griddle top, a lot of, you know, doors, all that kind of good stuff, a, a lot of stainless, a lot of heavy type stuff. So it's going to be a kind of a construction heavy duty type, uh, customer, American made customer that, that that's more important to them versus kind of the, the flash and, uh, you know, being able to go pick it up from, you know, your local Walmart, uh, consumer. Brian Zaboral joining us here on the show from Pits and Spits, the website pitsandspits.com. You can follow them socially at Pits and Spits. Ryan, always appreciate the time and thanks for coming out tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You got it? That's Ryan right there. So, once again, if you are in the freestanding flat top market, there is definitely another one you might want to consider as an option. So, stay tuned to this show as Ryan will give me updates on when it actually starts to roll out or becomes available by call and only. Maybe they roll it out. Who knows? We'll have to see how it gets through that whole process that they are working through pits and spits, but certainly it would be uh, top of the line from a quality standpoint. So look forward to that from pits and spits, of course. So thanks again to Ryan for joining us for yet another segment on the show. By the way, I'm seeing it in the instant chat. 
Is this a live show this evening? Because it says March 28th. Don't get me started with this YouTube. For whatever reason, YouTube and vMix, which is the streaming software program that I use, they seem to not want to play well together in the update phase. So as Facebook and Twitch have no problem accepting all of the updates that I put in before all the show takes place, the minute we go live, it always reverts back from YouTube to whatever the previous week's date was. So just know that this is a April 4th, 2003 show. It's currently 9.55 Eastern, working our way towards 9.56. Oh, it's 9.56 right now. So this is absolutely live. We'll do it live. That's right. Do it live. Right, Bill. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Okay, all right. It's live. We believe you. Anyway, pitsandspits.com. That's pitsandspits.com, at pitsandspits for social. And we'll uh, we'll wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we thank Ryan Zaborl from Pits and Spits for joining us last segment. Once again, that's pitsandspits.com. P-I-T-T-S-A-N-D-S-P-I-T-T-S. Pitsandspits.com. Slash BBQ Central. Or socially at Pits and Spits, once again, all spelled out. So, what did we learn last segment? There are going to be pellet cooker heads that will drop into your outdoor kitchen, so we need to make a note of that as we return conversation with Malcolm Reed for next month as we hit on things you need to take into account if you're going to be one of those folks trying to build one yourself or you have a contractor coming into the backyard to build one for you. That's an option. You're going to want to take note of, especially if you're looking to... Uh, Pits and Spits is known to be uh, on the higher end. We're not talking uh, Kalamazoo-type nonsense, but certainly uh, one of the higher-end options out there. A lot of stainless uh, quality, uh, all-American-made stuff, so there is going to be an associated premium price tag with that, but the folks that have it, as we say in the read uh, every week, pass down from generation to generation. So if you have an offset pit or one of these pellet cookers, uh, whenever you're done with it or you're dead... Somebody in your family can come and get it or somebody at the estate sale when they know what they have is going to be really happy about that because they know they have a pits and spits and it's great. Also, what else have we learned? There's going to be potentially a griddle cooker coming from pits and spits freestanding. Not something that is an accessory that would go into a current grill, but it's own freestanding. Again, heavy, a lot of steel, a lot of stainless doors, storage, all the stuff you've come to know and love with Pits and Spits, so be on the lookout for that. Their smoke box on the pellet grill is interesting, yes. And I believe there's two price points, 5000 and 10000 One's got the carbon bottom, the other one's full stain. Check them out. 
Alan, pick one up and uh, cook on it for like a month or two. I'll have you as a guest on this show, but you have to go buy one and prove it. All right, we are pointing to the second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.